So this morning we continue our series on the epistles of John. And uh, I'm really happy that um, in today's reading, we saw that John identifies as the elder. Because some people, you know, there's this confusion. Is this John the disciple whom Jesus loved? Is this another John? Is this John the presbyterer or John the elder? And, and it's good that we see that he identifies his name in this way. But as you're going to see in today's reading, there's a lot of connection with the Gospels of John as well. So, so make up your own mind. You know? I'm not going to say to you that you have to accept that this is um, the 16-year-old disciple that uh, followed Jesus around. Um, but I'm also not going to say that it isn't um, um, a 40-year-old gentleman who was an elder and leader in the life of God's church. I'll give that, leave that one up to you. But that's a nice segue for me to say to you, who likes children's games? <laughs> you guys know me too well. <laughs> You're like, if I don't say yes, will he make me do it? <laughs> yes, I will. I will still make you do it. Okay, so we're going to play Simon Says. Are you ready? Okay, so this is what we're going to do. Do you know the rules for Simon Says? Just making sure. Yes, everybody knows the rules. All right, okay. So Simon Says, put up your right hand. Very good. Who had to think about that? Zosie had to think about it. <laughs> okay. Simon says, put him down. Simon says, put up your left hand. Simon says, put him down. Simon says, put up your left hand. Put him down. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> I got you. All right. That's enough, Simon says. You had to think about it, didn't you? You had to... Which... Right, left, which... Um, and I wanted to give you that experience, that feeling, because a lot of today's passage is about walking in the truth, walking the right way, walking in that right path. And as I was reflecting on this passage this week, it reminded me of the last time I was in Argentina and we went to drive. Now, in Argentina, we drive on the... <laughs> I mean, it's directionally the right side of the road, but once again, make up your minds. I'm not here to convince you either way. But do you, have you had that experience? Do you know when you pull out of a driveway and you have to actually ask yourself, which side of the road am I going to go on to? And you just, you just have that moment of panic. I bet some of you experienced that briefly just now as well, as you were trying to figure out which one was your left and which was your right hand. That, that's so natural. It's so normal. And because, of course, every minister has to tell an embarrassing story, um, it, it didn't happen while we were in Argentina. It actually happened when we came back home. I was very jet-lagged. We were in Adelaide. And I pulled out of my in-law's driveway. Now they, by the grace of God, they live up in the Adelaide Hills and it was late at night and it was very, very quiet. I must have driven on the right-hand side of the road for four or five blocks before Kemri said, I don't think that's right. And it was, and it was a moment where both she and I were like, no, no, this, wait. What? Yes, because we had to readjust our brains. 
And it was when we saw traffic lights coming in the other direction, thankfully at a measurable speed. Oh, yes, here we go. There it is. Um, But the funniest one, the funniest one is uh, the first time I was driving on the Gold Coast down at Surfers. They have those lovely one-way streets, don't they? Yes, yes. So, and, and I was really keen to avoid traffic and get back towards Brisbane, so I indicated to the right, and I drove up there, and I'm turning up this street, and the guy waiting at the lights rolls down his window, shouts a couple of obscenities, just to inform me of the fact that I was driving on the wrong side of the road. Um, and that's fine. That was not a problem, because what I did is as soon as he said that, I was like, oh, okay, no worries, and I just did a quick maneuver and psh, parked up right behind him. He was very quiet <laughs> after that. <laughs> Big green car just kind of <laughs> right behind him there. Um, and it was a problem. I, I, I think maybe he thought I did it on purpose. I don't know. <laughs> that I did this maneuver. I don't know. My point, friends, is that sometimes we can find ourselves in a situation where in life's journey we are going down the wrong side of the road. I'm not saying down the wrong road. I've used the analogy before of GPS and how we all come to rely on it and then it leads us astray. I'm talking about those instances, those times in life when we're on the right road. We, we know where we're going, but for whatever reason, we find ourselves on the wrong track, on the wrong side. Something's gone in the way, something's affected us, and we have that brief moment of panic. Lord, am I walking in the right path? And a big theme throughout John's letters has been about walking in the light, has been about staying in the light and following what God is guiding us and where God is leading us. It's at this time I want to take the moment to share with you that John, whether it is John the Evangelist or John the Presbyter, was writing to a small Christian community, not that dissimilar from ours. But it was a community in which enmity had begun to form, division, hatred. Because sometimes it is when you are closest that hurts can hurt the deepest. Am I right? And so it was in that situation. And friends, we should not uh, romanticize the early church because They had problems too. That's why you have the letters to Corinthians and Galatians and Romans. Because these early churches didn't get it right. They spent a lot of time driving up the wrong side of the street. Thinking they were following Jesus. But in fact they needed the disciples, the apostles to help them turn it around and start going down the right path. And I think even for us, 2,000 years later... That's okay. It's okay for us to ask. It's okay for us to discern together and to listen to the voice of the Spirit in that. And so that is what I'm going to be unpacking for you all today. So in 1 John, we have these words that the, the apostle shares My dear congregation, I, your pastor, love you in very truth, and I am not alone. Everyone who knows the truth has taken up permanent residence in us, loves you. This is important. This comes from the message, and it's important for us to understand 
the basis of this. If we go back to our traffic analogy, I want to tell you that this, this is the arrow. This is the indicator. This is the one that tells you, hey, the path you need to get on is this one. And what path is that one? It is the path of love. Now, the world out there wants to define love in all manner of different ways. I love fried chicken. Mm-mm-mm. It does me no good, as you can tell. But I love it. Now, do you think that's the kind of love they're talking about here? No. No, not at all. I love sleeping in on a Sunday. Pasta. But I do. It's true. It's true. I don't begrudge the fact that I don't get to sleep in on a Sunday, but I do. I do every now and again when we have a later service or a a fifth Sunday of the month and I can have a sleep in on a Sunday. It's so nice. And I think it's nice just because it's a break from the normal. Do you think this is the kind of love that he's talking about? No. Because a break from the normal is not the kind of love that leads to life-changing, life-affirming path of God and righteousness way of life. This is a very different kind of love. So when he says, my dear congregation, and this is Eugene Peterson's The Message Translation, I, your pastor, love you in very truth, and I am not alone. He is saying the disciples love you in this way. But if we translate this to our context, he is saying that anyone who is a disciple of Jesus Christ loves you this way. Simon says, put your right hand up. Because you are a disciple. Good man. (laughs) Only Phil got it. (laughs) Good man. You are a disciple of Jesus Christ. And we need to know. We need to understand that we need to love in this way. Now I'm going to challenge you with a very hard question. Because you know, dear friends, sometimes it's easy to love our neighbor, to love the other this way. But it's hard for us to receive that love. It's hard for us to be loved in this way. You see, this love that the presbyter is talking about is a two-way street. It's not a dead end. And we need to be aware of that. Thank you, Betty. In last week's reading, he says, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Why did God walk with Adam in the cool of the evening? Why did he take Jacob, a deceiver, And bring a nation from him. Why did he rescue Joshua? Joshua. Joseph from the pit. Why did he lead Joshua into a walled city and with a shout caused it to fall? Why did he send Jesus to die on the cross? Because of, say it with me, love. You see, love is the motive and the purity of why God does what he needs to do. And on that road marked with God's guidance, there is love. 
There is meant to be love. Love that is given and love that is received. But not love like we might love chicken, like we might love sleepings. Love like how we would love someone when our heart pangs to see their lives right. Love when we love someone and we see that they need to understand and experience goodness and faithfulness. Love even of ourselves. In my native tongue, the expression self-esteem is auto amor. The capacity to love oneself. Because if we fail to do that, how can we give? How can we love another? My parents are in the, in the house today. Welcome. Lovely to see you both. They taught me this. Not as parents, but as chaplains. As a young man, I saw them going out into the community and meeting strangers and loving them. And I thought, what? Sorry, you guys weren't meant to be here for this bit. Sorry. <laughs> you embarrassed me at my induction. I'm going to embarrass you now. Okay, It's, it's a two-way street, like I said before. Because I love you. <laughs> and this capacity to love others, to love the community, is something that all we Christians are called to do. It's not a new command. It is an old one. It's only new in that we need to hear it anew. We need to hear it fresh. Thank you, Betty. In 2 John, he says, But permit me a reminder, friends, this is not a new commander, but a new commandment, but a repetition of that original and basic charter. Oh, I love that. I love that. Because what's a charter? It is a set of rules and guidance. And the presbyter here, he doesn't say that it is a complicated charter. He doesn't say it's a difficult charter. He says it is basic. Basic. That we love each other. Friends, we can all acknowledge that we are children of God. Yes, even the fellow in the heart of Harry Davidson. Good morning. We are all children of God and God has blessed us. But isn't it so hard when we meet a child of God and they are unlovely? And they maybe don't love us the way how we would like to be loved. Yes, it's tricky. It's hard. I want for us to acknowledge that, but I want you to know that we still need to go back to that reality, to that foundation. It is basic. Even children, newborns, know how to love. It's not complicated, friends. So the presbyter goes on to define it for us. And this is love. That we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. 
I read this on Tuesday, I think it was, Tuesday morning. As I do every week, preparing myself, letting the word percolate, if you will, before I come to bring it before you. And the first thought that I had was, this is going to be easy. It's easy to preach on love. You know how to love. I know how to love. We love each other. The world talks about love. Done. There's your three-point sermon. But we're not just doing analysis of Scripture, are we? We're talking mission in this church. We're talking application. So I want you to leave this morning asking yourselves, who is it that I'm not loving and how can I love them better? Not loving them as I do fried chicken. Not loving them as I do a good sleeping. But loving them with that heart of Christ. Why? Because that, that is the essence of what God is asking us to do. God has not furnished us each with a Bible-shaped mallet to go and smack people over the head to convince them of His Word, has He? And yet, we have all been furnished with what? One word starts with Al, say it with me. Love. So this is a tool that God has given us with which we can say to the world out there, you may hate, you may despise, you may reject, but I will continue to love. And doesn't the apostle say that when we do that, we are heaping coals of fire? Isn't that so much better than responding in kind? So, I want to share this longer reading with you. Jesus says this in the Gospel of John. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in His love. Thank you, Betty. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. Jesus gets this attributed to him, doesn't he? We say, oh, Jesus said this. And yes, we should do it because Jesus said it, no doubt. But there were people who were studying the scripture long before Jesus who saw this. Who saw that to know and understand the heart of God from Abraham, from Moses, from David, you needed to understand love. Do you know what David means? Yes, it's a proper name, but it means beloved. Because God loved David. Isn't that interesting? This commandment comes, thank you, Betty, from another passage in Leviticus. And Paul, writing to the Roman church, reminds us of this. He says, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law, the commandments, and whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command. 
Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. I just want to invite Lynn to come forwards and just play me out. Friends, this last phrase may not mean very much to us. The law, the first books of Moses, may not be that significant to our lives today, but to the Jewish people, it was their whole and entire identity. I want to ask you right now, If Jesus is at work in your life and your whole entire identity is to connect and listen into that, then it is His love that is coming through you. Are you not challenged by that? The word challenge in my native language, in our tongue, desafiar, it means to unravel. And I want to share with you I'm going to try not to get emotional at this moment. But when I think of Jesus' love for us, I am unraveled. I am unraveled at the thought that Christ would give his life for one unworthy such as me. I am unraveled at the thought that I could tap into even a little bit of that love. And that I could be a vehicle for that love to then be a blessing unto others. And yet, that is his reality. I hope that we are each challenged today to go out and live this command. Because every other commandment that God has put on our lives. And I don't know if maybe God has called you to be a preacher, to lead a Bible study, to be a worshiper here, or to just love unconditionally and perfectly. But all of those are grounded in God's love for you and for those around you. It's been a pleasure to sit with this congregation and to see the love that you express to your community and each other. But let's not stop here. There's a whole city that needs to experience your love. That love of Jesus Christ. Let us be prepared to go out and pour that love through us. In Jesus' name. Let's conclude with a word of prayer. Father, you are so good and your love is perfect. Lord, we are encouraged here from the early church that we shouldn't look at one another and despise or be jealous. But instead, we should appreciate and commend the love that we see at work through us, in us, and among us. And in this moment, Father God, I am conscious of the fact that sometimes the unlovely ones can be us, rejecting your love. So, Father God, we open ourselves up to be unraveled of the reality of your love at work in our lives. Bless us this day. May we go from this place with a greater understanding of your love. And Father, I pray that you also create opportunities for us to experience sharing that love 
and seeing the impact it has in others' lives. And so we thank you for this moment and for your love. In Jesus' name, amen.